Hello, video gamers of the world. It is the GameSpot After Dark podcast episode 103. I am your humble host, Tomo Saint, joined by Jean-Luc Seipke. I just realized I don't have coffee. This is going to be a disaster. Nightmarish. Nightmarish. Well, I have to introduce two more people, so if you can get a coffee in that time, go. Go now. The second person I'll be introducing is Jordan Remey. But I also haven't gotten coffee, so does Kurt just have to like extend his intro out for a significant period of time? Well, Jean-Luc, Jean-Luc has decided to not get his coffee, so I can swing back around and reintroduce Jean-Luc <laughs> if you want to try. And that third person, or fourth, but third, third person um, I'm going to be introducing is the one and only Kurt Indovina. Kurt, how's it going? You got coffee? That was the sound who... of a sip and a gulp. Hi, for those Look of you who are, uh, who are who are not watching and are listening, I'm in fact holding a mug of coffee. I'm at the very ends of it, in which I'm taking a good old heaping amount of French press sludge um, to start our day, to start my day. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. Hello, listeners, and hello, After Dark Crew. And to be clear, no one is watching this because this portion of the, there is no video version of this podcast. We put out one episode just to tantalize everyone and then decided now we're going to cancel that um, for various oh, reasons. Don't, don't just use your imagination. Me. I feel so, I feel <laughs> so just, bad. I feel for so those, bad. For those who are listening, uh, just imagine a dark ghostly figure with swoopy hair drinking a black sludge. And there you go. You have Kurt. Sexy. Exactly. That exactly it. Sexy is the right word. <laughs> sexy, sexy, black sludge. That's what you get. Anyways, as always, we're going to kick off uh, this episode with an update on what we've been doing and what we've been playing. Now, there is a bunch of things. Everyone's got something new and interesting. So I'm going to start with Jean-Luc because Jean-Luc has been playing a game that's out and a game that isn't out. Let's start with the game that's out. Okay. Jean-Luc. Uh, that would be Skyward Sword HD, uh, Legend of Zelda. Um, as I kind of alluded to on the last episode, I myself am not playing it, but my partner is playing it and they are playing, uh, it is their first 3D Zelda that they are playing. They have the only other Zelda they have played was the remaster of, um, Link's Awakening, uh, on the Switch, which they, uh, enjoyed, but wasn't like enchanted by maybe you would say the way uh zelda zelda can grab some people um jury's still out on this one but they do seem to be having a very very good time um they, <laughs> it, it, uh at first it was, like i kind of like check in like hey, how you feeling about it and like, yeah it's, it's okay it's all right um you know uh first first area the first forest area i kind of had to coach them through a little bit help them kind of uh, they, they have not very great spatial awareness with video games. So sort of in like Zelda wow. is, um, I know I'm like throwing them under the bus I know, real I hard right say. now. <laughs> um, I got to set up though, but it, it's, I'm going somewhere positive with it. So like in the, in the forest area, because I mean, that's kind of Zelda's whole thing is like figure out where to go, kind of learn the space. Um, it kind of took him a little bit and I was kind of like helping him out. Like, oh, we, we should probably go that way or this and that. Um, but by the time we got to the second area of the volcano, um, outside of one thing they got stuck on which is like to be fair was really annoying and stupid and was like okay i also i was like looking up guides like i have no idea where the fuck to go on this area like mm. what the fuck and then it was like oh it was one of those super super obvious solutions that you're like oh okay we're both idiots um but my point is is that eventually uh they were just like 
cruising on their own and I, I i was like i like went away and was doing other stuff and i came back and they were just still playing and i was like yeah like they're getting into it they're like they're feeling it now is what i'm saying like they're mm. they have they have understood how zelda works they understand like what to do <laughs> and they are they are getting deep in so mm. they seem to be uh having a really good time with it my my question is when it comes to learning the language of video games and and figuring out various franchises on the Nintendo side, Zelda is probably one of the most complex, I think. I think it's it's the Japanese of uh, languages, <laughs> Nintendo languages. Once you've learned that, you're pretty good. Um, what is your partner's interest levels or do you hope that they are going to be interested in branching out into other franchises because once you've done zelda you're i mean metroid is the next step surely like that's probably an interesting place to go or is it do you think I that's going to happen i was asking them about metroid because they were watching me play zero mission and they were like into it uh and they were like enjoying watching me Hell play yeah. and, I was, and i was like do you do you think you'd want to like try one of these yourself and they were like maybe Part of it is that they do need like a good story hook, uh, which I think Skyward Sword has has a lot of good characters. It has, you know, you, you have these big spurts the of, of. I, I would agree. That's the and you know what, uh, one Evan Langer also would say so. Uh, <laughs> Jordan, take a breath. It's not the best Zelda game, Jordan. It's just got the best story. Does it? It's though? the, it's the it only. Though? It's the only Zelda game that, like, by the time I finished it, an old, like it had, I had an overwhelming conviction, like to to things that were happening, like to characters that were in it, more so than any other Zelda game I had finished. So maybe, so maybe story itself is fine, but its ability to 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 portray characters is the best I think Zelda has ever done it. The disrespect on Twilight Princess's name. In hey this man, Twilight Princess right is now. my favorite one. It's my favorite. It's my favorite Zelda game. But like, if if <laughs> if I at the end of the day, like when I finish Skyward Sword, like that's the one where I was like, I feel something. Like I'm feeling things for each single person in this game in a way that I didn't with other games, including Twilight Princess, which is my favorite one. To maybe I just need to replay it. I my entire experience <laughs> of playing Skyward Sword no, is just frustration at being told what i can and can't do by my I mean, sword and yeah, so dude, I your feelings are justified it's prequel <laughs> yeah uh, it, greatness it, it, <laughs> that's something that i mean evan talked about all on the last podcast but like i totally agree having now like you know watching it being played is like it fight doesn't bother you all that much like if ever like there's barely also like bothers 10 hours you. of that game at one point you just gotta kind of swallow like a hard pill and get through there's yes, never anything somebody time. wants to be told, which is <laughs> something no one ever wants to be told. And the worst part, it happens at like, like the, the like the last fourth of the game. It's like it's like, oh yeah, by the way, suck you it up. You want to do some tedious bullshit before you finish. <laughs> I'm, I am curious how I feel when I get to that part. Um, but the, all the frustrations I remember feeling about the original game aren't there in this one, where it's like, okay, cool, like fight doesn't constantly pop up. Um, text isn't moving at the slowest pace and you can't <laughs> skip it like you can skip the text you can fast forward like there's all these very obvious things that you're just like well, what do you mean like are you what the original game like what every time you reloaded it would retell you all the items every time you picked it up that's insane like why would they do that like it's like one of those things that you just play it now and you're like this is just a normal video game things but then you mm. like remember like oh god it was bad and that original Wii version, and it's <laughs> not. And I and I do think 
it makes the game so much more enjoyable because you you aren't frustrated with those elements and you can just appreciate like oh wow yeah the this dungeon design is really good and you're like you know i like i really do like the art style and you know what like yeah like some of the the character writing is like pretty funny and like great like i i really like all the little side characters and and um uh, Skyloft, all the when you go to the the um the bazaar and there's all the different shopkeepers and they have these very distinct personalities and it plays this one music theme that then changes and transitions into like different instrumental variations, which is a very Nintendo thing to do. Um, mm. Like that, that's like a classic Nintendo staple. Uh, Terrytown, eat your heart out. Um, yeah, like it does that, and I. There's a lot to like about this game that I think you can like fully appreciate now because you're not like just frustrated with its weird nonsense because it's not there anymore. Except for the one thing is the button controls as as much as I do prefer them over the uh, the motion. Um, they are they're not perfect because it's kind <laughs> of in, like at the, like at the end of the day, like as it, like having them play it as someone who was like like they kind of understand it because they're like oh i get that this was on the wii but it's sort of like well why can't why can't i just hit the button and you just swing a sword like like a normal video game and i'm like <laughs> you are right you are right like <laughs> this is the concession they had to make so uh do you know the uh the origin of the name Groose? And how it came I, to be. I, I heard about this on Twitter. Um, yeah, so the fun story is the character was named by Mike Drucker, who you may know from various things, including being a former IGN staff member um, and eventually working at Nintendo Treehouse. So uh, he was tasked with coming up with the name of the character. And the brief was the character is sort of a jock and a bit of a jerk. And also the game has a bird theme. So he went from Bruce to Goose, to Groose. And that is how the Mwah. character Mwah. Groose came oh. to be. Very good, Mike Drucker. That was discussed on the Game Informer show. Excellent very stuff. good. Uh, Groose is excellent. I'm I'm very happy to see a lot of those characters get like extra love now, like uh, on in on the internet. Like I'm seeing a lot of like Groose, Groose appreciation and I'm like, yes, welcome everyone. <laughs> Groose is great. And the other game you've been playing the other Tell game I've been it. playing is um, a preview build of Aliens Fireteam Elite, which is a third-person, uh, third uh, three-person co-op, Left 4 Dead-style uh, shooter in the Aliens universe. Everybody and their mum's making one of those now, isn't it? Left 4 yes. Dead-style shooter. Like everyone just decided that they want to recognize Left 4 Dead exists, Took finally. So and, and now, And now Turtle Rock is like, fuck off, all of you. No, not right now. We've got <laughs> a new one. We finally got it's it so right. It's so weird how I know, cycles I know. in the video game industry work that people yeah. seemingly just have the same... Like, it just probably happened that, like, three or four years ago, a bunch of people were like, you know... We haven't had a good Left 4 Dead game in a really long time, and they all no, decided to start to making one. one. Yeah, at the same time <laughs> that the original creators of Left 4 Dead, <laughs> I mean, they did evolve, but they tried to mess with it, and it didn't quite work. And now they've gone back to Back for Blood, and it's picking up steam, and it's picking up a lot of momentum. And yeah. now just everyone's coming out, just the variants just appearing everywhere like it's an episode of fucking loki out here. yeah i i feel a little <laughs> monkey's paw about it because i remember like for the last several years i've been like I, I need a new left for dead now it's like oh mm. 
I got them. <laughs> I got all these Left 4 Deads now. <laughs> but how is it? Uh, how's how's Alien? It's it's good actually. It's it's quite good. Um, I I'm surprised how much I'm enjoying it. So, uh, I think the Aliens franchise has a very tumultuous history with video games. Uh, I would say most <laughs> of them are. What are you talking about? Colonial Marines was absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that one. Well, that one was good, obviously. Yeah, um, that was the one good one, and then, but you know, the rest were all shit. Um, no, <laughs> they've been varying degrees. Uh, some of those Alien versus Predator games are pretty, pretty all right. Um, first one was awesome. I have uh, such fond memories of the first one on PC. It came with a pair yeah. of underwear. I, I can't. What? Hold, yeah. hold on. <laughs> the original, the original. Uh, oh, it's like a, you're gonna shit yourself. Like, it like, it's so scary. You're gonna piss yourself. Like classic '90s video game marketing. It probably came with like a fucking like blow up doll too. I'm sure, but I, I do remember definitely coming <laughs> with a pair of tiny ladies. Piss yourself, then shag this blow up doll. That's the Aliens experience. That is, that is 90s gaming marketing uh, at its finest. It's like it would be right there next to Duke Nukem 3D, and like you know, just like, like that one comes with like a video games. It was horrible. Anyways, first one was good. Don't forget to put your stereoscopic glasses on before you piss yourself and shag the doll. It's called group sex. Oh, I hate it. Anyways, we should bring that back. Honestly, <laughs> well, dolls being what? Yeah. Games? <laughs> Which part? Which part specifically? <laughs> I just weird, just weird, dumb shit in video games. Like, what's the uh, last like truly dumb? A little less like, sexist, and I'm all for it. Well, okay, yeah, I don't want that, <laughs> yeah. but like, I want like. No, that one was pretty bad. Um, I was gonna say like <laughs> I was like trying to think they're of like one bad. that they're was good. Bad. Yeah, they're all bad. They're all bad. <laughs> I was thinking the uh, was Dead Island Riptide. It was like a no, that a was zombie the weird a, lady bust. Yeah. Lady bust, and she's wearing like a her like bikinis got like the union jack a, on it or something. It's really a, bad. It's really terrible. There was one where Rockstar sent knuckle dusters out in the mail. Um, oh I yeah, think it was for. Was it Grand Theft Auto or a bully? And like the government got involved and said, "Stop sending weapons." Yeah. In the <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, back to aliens. Anyway, back to aliens. So yeah, the the aliens games have been um, pretty hit or miss, in my opinion, for the most part. There's a couple good ones, like, like we said, um, but you know, obviously, Colonial Marines has put a dark stain on that uh, that series history, and then. Alien Isolation kind of brought it back. Um, Alien Isolation is fantastic. It's it's it, it to me that game like really understood and and you know they they understood the assignment. They did the homework. They they knew the source material and that game to me is like the mm. perfect companion piece to Alien the film. And I will say in that regard, I do think that Aliens Fireteam Elite is in a lot of ways the perfect companion piece to Aliens wow. the film. Now, Ooh, that's not skippy. to say I think it will be a a cult classic the way Isolation will. I'm not. I don't think people are gonna maybe uh, be as, as strongly attached to it, but I do think it will fondly be remembered as one of the better Aliens games. And I think it it it, it, it it's like they figured out like what what makes it work. Where it's like okay, third person like squad based co op Left 4 Dead style. It makes perfect sense for aliens. Like I think they, they really nail that feeling of like we're gonna go into this area and you are just overwhelmed by 
just an ungodly amount of aliens just coming out from everywhere. They're coming through like the ceilings. They're like crawling. Like they're they're, they're coming through vents from behind you. It, it's it gets really chaotic and really really fun. Um, the aliens. Uh, there, there's a lot of good variety to them where you have these these little, I don't know, like they, they kind of come up with this. So they do a video game thing where they're like, hey, in this one, Wayland yutani is experimenting on the Xenomorphs with different aliens. And that's why you get all these like video game variations of the aliens. So you have the basic small default aliens, which are like really, really tiny. And you can kind of like take them out really easily. Then you have... Um, drones which are like the alien from alien isolation um and they they kind of like stalk you and they will like uh it, when you shoot them if they take too much health they'll actually like hide an event and go away for a little bit and then like come back um and try and like get you by surprise you have this uh, one alien that's like a prowler that it's hold it's basically um that one enemy from left for dead whose sole purpose is to stand behind a door and then wait for you to walk through that door and then jump on you um hmm. there's aliens that spit acid at you there's aliens that like charge at you and then explode a uh, lot of good variety uh very very enjoyable fun gu uh, gunplay it's 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 one of those things where it's like i don't know like I, nothing about it is necessarily like special in that way like i mean the guns feel good to shoot they sound like the pulse rifle you know like uh but i think they they capture that that vibe of that world very well like it they they do such a good job of of capturing the specific energy of aliens and the alien world without feeling like it's very rote and just retreading like the problem with aliens colonial marines is it was it was too, too good it was too good. It was just oh, so damn good. Like I mean, such high watermark. It couldn't be reviewed. It was too perfect. There it was, was too there's perfect. No scale where a score can exist for it. Uh, so, something I find frustrating about that game is that game is trying too hard to like be like, hey, remember aliens? Like we're back on the same planet, and it's like the same <laughs> thing. And like, look, this is where like Newt was in the water. Like remember that? And you're like, uh, okay, sure. This is not trying to capture a specific um location from the movies but just be like hey this is this is a refinery area that kind of invokes the vibes of you know sort of like um uh, alien and then you go down to an alien planet and you're going into like ruins and you're like ah like this is kind of capturing the spirit of um the the ship from you know like with the space jockey and um also they bring in a lot of elements from the new alien movies which is interesting so like they have the the like giant um uh the engineer heads from like mm. prometheus and like you're kind of going through oh. those ruins which is really interesting bridging it all uh, together. that they're kind of bridging that stuff into it um i'm very we, we only played the first two campaigns of four I, i'm kind of curious to see like where that goes like if they if they even introduce like a specific enemy type from from those okay. um uh movies or not i haven't seen prometheus in many many years mm. and all i remember about it is that it it looked really really good and <laughs> i it was very well made but i it didn't make a lot of sense um and i never saw no. alien covenant so i couldn't i couldn't tell you anything about that movie the question i have for you um I don't think you've mentioned it. Maybe, maybe you did. But like, mm -hmm. what? So, Left 4 Dead had the AI director to give the game yes. a sense of longevity and replayability. 
what does and obviously alien isolation had a very very clever xenomorph mm-hmm. for most people for me it just stood outside of a locker and its scripting broke and it would not let me leave the locker so um for me i had a weird alien xenomorph what does this game have for that longevity um and kind of challenging you in the way that that a xenomorph as an apex predator would yeah so um you have the four campaigns each of which are like three missions um and then after you beat that there's a horde mode apparently um think i try that um that wasn't available in the preview but uh you the idea is that um as you so it does have some level of variation kind of like the ai director where you know obviously like uh different uh alien i guess like special types will kind of like are they're kind of a little random it's not quite as varied as that game though like it is a little like having played it through it is a little more like okay no like this is a specific beat where they're going to come out and it doesn't it doesn't have quite that that level of unpredictability Mm. that i would say the ai director has um so where they try and make it more interesting is you have these challenge cards that you can activate that can do all sorts of various things like hey your um your pulse radar will like randomly cut out or um one was cool that unfortunately we 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 activated and but didn't get to see was like uh all warrior type aliens get turned into um um praetorian aliens it like huh. like they become like the elite Praetorian ones, which was like, ooh, that sounds cool. And then like no, none of them showed up in the mission, unfortunately, uh, which was kind of a bummer. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, well. Um. Oh, you, you didn't read the small print, did you? Praetorians are known for being incredibly lazy, and ah, they're just shit. also stoners. So you probably caught them when they were high as a kite, and we're like, no, nah, dude, no way. So they have like stuff like that. Uh, there's like. Uh, all sorts of crazy challenges like there's one where it's like you can't use any of your abilities any of your main weapons you can only use your like side pistol which is like okay good luck with that <laughs> um they also seem to have a bunch of like cool alternate like challenge difficulties that like add do stuff like add friendly fire and and like insta death stuff like that and then that all feeds into the games like cosmetics and upgrades where um as you upgrade each class, you can get different perks that you put on them. You can okay. also buy different weapons and put on like skins and all that stuff. That's the part of the game where I go, I don't know how much of this I'm interested in engaging with. Mm. Because at the end of the day, a lot of the skins were like, it's the aliens universe. Everything is just like, you know, green, olive green, like military oh, futuristic. Man. So it's like, uh okay i want to I have... I pink xenomorph that's well, what i want so you can get like basic stuff like i did get a pink uh pulse rifle at one point and i was like all right i'm gonna slap that on because i want to look dumb but like when i got like one of my outfits for like my my gunner class it was like okay like now the chest plate is different i guess like i honestly couldn't tell that it was different at first i was like is it different like it they they kind of all blend together so i find the cosmetics a little like uninteresting mm. and i and i imagine they maybe feel a little constricted where they don't you don't want to go like too wild and out of the gate about yeah. it and like go insane like they have a collector's edition and i was like looking at it because i was curious what the what came in it and it was all just like um 
you get like Ramirez's bandana from Aliens, and I'm like, oh no, okay, I guess I don't, uh, no, I don't know. It's um, it's such a <laughs> weird, like it feels like a bit of a regression if you think about like the Alien franchise. Like it's not had in a bunch of amazing games, but there's been a kind of slow evolutionary path for them where they had the first person shooter, and yeah. then they and then they the next like major evolution of it was isolation where they introduced a very um believable and aggressive ai and this felt like the perfect opportunity to kind of combine those strands into something that's like left for dead but with a very smart ai using the ai director style mechanic yeah. and the fact that they didn't do that is kind of like uh slightly disappointing but i, I can see. yeah i i agree and and like i said the missions are kind of a little more scripted in that way and and because of that uh i find the replayability of them a little in question like i i i can't see myself you know having fun going through them more than like two or three times at most um i i do think within the game the variety keeps up so one thing i didn't talk about was that in the second campaign they introduce um synthetic enemies um they have uh, like Wayland Utani synth soldiers. They also have the Working Joes from Alien Isolation. They bring them into this game. I do think this game is really cool in that it they seem to be like pulling from all sorts of like really obscure alien lore, like comics and stuff. Like Phil, I was playing with Phil, um, and he's like a huge aliens nerd, and he was telling me about how like there's this one lore drop we picked up that referenced, um, I guess it's like a like the alien alien universe is like equivalent of like the soviet union that was apparently only first mentioned in like a script that was never used for alien 3 or something uh phil would know yeah and i was like of course phil would know that phil would know something like that and but i was like damn that's actually really cool that like Mm. you know i I feel like aliens fans will probably like really really appreciate the level of detail they're going into but um Mm. but yeah but yeah going back to the um oh and the synth enemies um what i was saying was that they they actually brought like a really good variety like it completely changes the way the game plays where like the first mission um you have like a cover option you can like get into cover and i was like why would you get into cover this makes no sense like the aliens you want to move around and then when the synths show up with guns that can do very serious damage (laughs) to you i was like oh you want to get into cover i understand now and it completely changes the way you play the game and then they mix and match the aliens with the synths and then it's like oh okay like there's some good gameplay variety here this is fun um but again, I don't know how much it's going to compel me to be like, this is my Left 4 Dead where I'm going to keep coming back to mm. it constantly. Like, uh, I, I would see myself playing through the campaign, finishing it, maybe trying a challenge or two, uh, trying a horde mode for a minute, and then probably calling it good. Yeah. Um, at least so well, far how I feel about it. We'll see how it comes together. This is being developed by Cold Iron Studios, yeah. which is a mm-hmm. relatively, not relatively unknown, but like they've worked on a few things here and there, um, mostly helping out uh, with a bunch of other titles. Uh, yeah, they've been a support studio for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they? they did like City of Heroes for a little bit. And then I Hell think yeah. one of the Neverwinter games and maybe Star Trek online or something like that. Okay. They're based in the Bay Area um uh but we'll see i think the game is out in august so yes and um, one thing that yeah. i do think might um cushion the the lack of replayability it's only 40 dollars 
which is nice. I was I was a okay. little concerned at first when I was like, ooh, like a full 60 price for this game? Like, I don't, I don't know about that. But it's only 40, and that makes me feel like, oh, okay. And we played about eight hours, and again, it was like half, half of the game. So if you were to tell me, like, I could get a good 16 to 20 hours out of this game for 40 bucks, mm. have some fun time yeah. with friends, I, I could see myself, yeah. And it comes out oh. soon enough that it doesn't have to contend with Back for Blood. So yeah. it's in a good spot. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Also in a good spot is Jordan Ramey, who has played a brand new game, Chris Tales, <laughs> as well as another game. But we want to hear about Chris Tales first. Tell us, Jordan. Oh my god. I, I, I was talking to, funnily enough, I was talking to Chris uh, Pereira about this <laughs> the other day, and I'm like, do you ever have a game that you play and you love with all your heart and you know you're going to remember this game forever and like you're always going to reference it as like one of your favorite games of all time but you actually really struggle with describing to people why it's so good like you just can't really find the words mm. and that's chris mm. tales for me like I was waiting I... for you to say it. this isn't chris tales and that isn't chris oh. tales. <laughs> <laughs> nah chris chris tales is it's one of those things where I don't think it actually does anything like revolutionary with its formula. Like it is a super love letter to those classic uh, JRPGs just from a Colombian perspective, because that's where the developers are from. So instead of lots of Japanese imagery, you have lots of uh, like Spanish inspired uh, and native uh, inspired cultures and mansions and uh, grottos and stuff like that. And the music is so good. So yeah, the good, music and the soundtrack is fantastic. Like I was watching so, the trailer just the other so day fantastic. and I was like, it, I would just listen to this on its own. So, yeah. Like, I think like the coolest part about the soundtrack is that they have like these distinctive uh pieces of music for each of the areas but like underneath like the underlying theme for like each of the songs like you can notice the similarities and a huge part of chris tales is the fact that it's like oh we're going to present this to you as like a magical adventure where it's a bunch of kids set off to fight like an evil uh wizard thing but at the end of the day this is actually a game about how things like greedy uh industrialists and people who decide to hoard cures for deadly diseases and racism and stuff like that are like the worst things in the world and they divide ourselves and we should like avoid them because those things are more powerful and more devastating than evil magic and they'll lead to the end of the world and uh people at the bottom will suffer from that way more and the music kind of leans into that and the fact that like each area has a distinctive soundtrack but underneath the underlying theme there's like a unified theme to each of them so you can notice a similarity it's like oh they're different people but we're all a part of like even though we're distinctive cultures we're the same people i'm like I love this game. Like, <laughs> I love it that so much. Are you saying that Chris Tells is the friends you made along the way? I mean, yeah. <laughs> mm, love to see it. What, what, is, what is the actual gameplay um, of, of it? Uh, I'll say the actual gameplay, it's this thing that very early on protagonist uh, Chris Bell uh, becomes a time mage where like your screen gets divided into... Uh, 
thirds where everything on the left you see it in the past everything on the right you see it in the future and the middle is in the present so while you're exploring or doing puzzles or interacting with things you can see the same space across three different time periods and you have like a little uh, frog companion with you who has the unique ability to uh, travel to the past and the future so you can use him as well as your site to solve riddles and puzzles like you encounter a safe and it has something inside that you really need but you don't know the combination well you can move it around in the present because chris bell's in the present and if she knocks over like a very weak vial of acid like it'll slowly start dripping on the safe and she sees in the future like oh a few years from now like there's now a hole large enough in the safe to pull the papers out and so Mateus can go to the future and grab the papers and then bring those papers back to the present um and you can now see what the information is so it's things like that for like riddle solving kind of very elementary very easy stuff where it really comes into play where it's really cool is the combat aspects of it um it's traditional turn-based you and the enemies are on a timeline everyone takes turns doing their attacks but since chris bell can see things in the past and future she can also uh, use her sword and her abilities to kind of invoke that past and future and send enemies and certain attacks like through the lens of the past and the future so if you're fighting like this orc warrior you could see him through the lens of the past and now suddenly he's like a little baby orc who's like full of energy so he has like more speed but he's also significantly weaker or if he's seen like through the lens of the future now he's like slow and old and he has like not much health because he's close to death but like in the years like uh, that have passed he's like taught himself powerful magic uh so does the game yeah. get into the morality of we should go back in time and kill this baby <laughs> as a solution to this combat puzzle? Because that's, that's my favorite X Men arc, where they go back and kill, try and think about killing baby apocalypse. Bad shit happens. We've seen it go back. I mean, it kind of does and doesn't. Like, it's one of those things that, like the. I think they kind of skirt around it by saying like, oh, Chris Bell's only like viewing this through the lens of the past and the future. So it's like you're not actually attacking a baby. What you're doing is like you're attacking in quotes a baby in the past and all of the damage it suffered has just translated to its present day uh, form. So it's always (laughs) been stabbed in the back by a magical sword jesus christ <laughs> this is some incredible like leaps of logic to to uh, give you an excuse to beat up a child it's a good game it's a good game and everyone should play it and it's probably going to be overshadowed by death's door and that's kind of okay because death's door also looks very good but i mean come on chris bell's on game pass you can just download it right now and start playing and it's like a 25 to 30 hour rpg okay that's what i was gonna ask was the time commitment 20 to 30 hours seems not terrible for that kind of game Mm -hmm. i could maybe i could maybe see myself getting into that i really like how it uses powers to 
kind of test your creativity. Like you can come up with a few strategies where it's like, oh, there's a boss and they're carrying a shield and the shield's really strong, so I'm not doing much damage. But if my ally, Christopher, if he uses his water spell on the shield and then I view it through the lens of the future, the shield's now rusted away because it's been wet mm. for years and years. And so now all of my attacks on them <laughs> really are cool. significantly more powerful. I so mean, it's if, like... if, if I was Chris Bell, <laughs> I would always choose the option, which is go back in time and kill the baby or version of that enemy because there's no defense against that. Why would you ever would... do anything different? Pour water on the baby. Because some enemies become the stronger the younger they are, <laughs> yeah. Tab. It's not always easier to fight. <laughs> I, I like Kurt's suggestion of making the baby rust in the future. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, just go back in time, pour water all over it, and then go and it'll be rusty. And then bring and it back janky. to the present. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wish it was like Undertale. There's like a non-lethal route like you could go back in time and teach that baby like good life lessons and and yeah. instill it like a, a sense of values and then when you go back to the present it's like you know what man face. i don't want i don't want to fight anymore yeah. i've i've i'm a new i'm a new person but yeah i mean it is it is on game pass so everyone can try it and take it for a for a spin and yeah uh, jordan's done a review for us on gamespot.com uh and it's a very good review so you should read it but let's move on to the next game that you've been playing. It's called Splitgate. Is that right? Yeah. Oh. So it's it's been out on PC. I want to say, has it been a full year? Maybe it's even been two. I don't know. It's been out for a while. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's finally coming to consoles. It officially releases on consoles next week on the 27th. Um, but it's currently in beta. So you can try it on uh, PlayStation and Xbox uh, right now. And it's one of those things from like the description for it is like, yo, this is a game that's Halo plus Portal. And I'm like, it can't actually be that simple. And I played it. And I'm like, oh, no, this is just Halo plus Portal, which is fantastic. And like, <laughs> I'm having a great time with it. Um, it's same sort of Halo controls um, where it's like you can't really clamber over anything you can't slide uh the most you can do with movement mechanics is that you can sprint and that uh your double jump is technically a jetpack that allows you to hover very very briefly uh in the air but like the assault rifle is the same assault rifle from halo they have the battle rifle the marksman rifle they have a plasma rifle that feels a lot like the carbine from halo like Pretty much all the guns in this game feel exactly like the standard weapons that you find in Halo 3, Halo Reach, Halo 4, etc. Um, which makes it really easy to pick it up if you've played Halo a lot. And the thing that kind of switches everything up is that your right bumper uh, creates one portal and your left bumper creates another portal. And similar to Portal and Portal 2, those two portals link up, allowing you to pull off a bunch of really cool uh crazy strategies you can go through your own portals you can go through your allies portals you can go through enemy portals if you manage to get through before the enemy uh manages to close them and so you you can do a bunch of things like oh uh i'm being attacked by a bunch of people and i can't get away let me just put a portal into the cover in front of me and then like a portal far off over there so that I can get away. My favorite thing to do is like, oh, there's someone uh, posted up like in their camping with like a sniper rifle. I'm going to put like a portal like 
way above their head, like on the near the ceiling above their head, and then one on the wall right next to me. And then I turn and I'm just looking directly down, like on the person's head and I can just like shotgun them through the portal. I don't even have to step through. So it's really cool. It's really fun. And it has like 10 maps, uh, like 12 different modes. Like it's, it's pretty fleshed out. I mean, it's been on PC for a few years. So one of the big considerations when it comes to multiplayer competitive multiplayer design is sight lines and on maps. Mm -hmm. So how does it, does it feel broken or is it, a case or does it feel like it could become frustrating very quickly or is it a case that it's kind of like quake 3 where it moves at such a fast pace um that you just kind of have to get get in line and just keep moving and play at, <laughs> play at, play it the way that it demands to be played and not really care about that kind of stuff just go with go with the flow mm-hmm. uh definitely more the latter i think more than the former uh matches are pretty quick eight minute timer but i haven't really i've only seen one game actually go the time limit all the games i've played have usually ended in three to four minutes uh and sight lines are pretty uh okay i haven't yet found i've only played this for i haven't played it very long so maybe i'll come back and report and be like i was wrong i was totally wrong but i haven't found any crazy exploits for any of the maps so far uh i definitely appreciate the maps that are a bit more open ended because uh i think there's just a bit more room for maneuverability and i think there's less a possibility of you just kind of being in a space where i'm like man there's like six portals around me bullets could be coming at me from any conceivable direction so I guess I'll just stand here and die because there's no possible way that I'm going to actually get away. Um, but the more open-ended ones I feel like are a bit better because it's like, okay, if I am putting my back against this wall, like there is a wall to my left where someone could put uh, one of their portals. They could fire it from pretty far away and get the drop on me. So I have to be aware of that. But for the most part, like that's the only consideration that I really need to have. I mean, like most of the maps are, and I hate to keep making this comparison, very reminiscent of like Halo 2 and Halo 3's maps. Like if you played the multiplayer for those games, you have a general idea of what the map layouts and combat for uh, Splitgate feels like. It's eerily similar. Yeah, I'm looking at, I looked at a trailer for it a little while ago and it even has like, I think it's got the gravity hammer in there as well. And I think, yeah, they call it the BFB, a big fucking bat. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, uh, what I'll say is there is a bit in the trailer where someone jumps through a portal and then someone else jumps behind them, kills them, and then does a dab. So do with that information <laughs> what you will. So depending on how you feel about dabbing after being killed, um, that kind of that will kind of decide whether you want to play it. Uh, Kurt, hello. You've been playing a you've been playing a couple of interesting games. Uh, <clears throat> let's start with the one that uh, is familiar to everyone: Sea of Thieves. Oh, I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna talk too much about that one because this is like. Only because I only just started playing it for the first time about two weeks ago. We should um, play it together. I w- I've done the same thing. <laughs> yeah, we should absolutely play together. Um, so 
I have I have a very small core group of people that I play with. Usually it goes for like it went from playing Phasmophobia uh, to a few weeks of Tower Unite, and now we're on Sea of Thieves. Um, and Sea of Thieves is a game that I I tried playing when it first came out, and I actually loved it. However, I didn't have that friend group. I didn't have those core few folks that I uh, that I actually enjoyed the company of uh, to be on a boat with. So instead, like I my first time, I think I played like day one. I had the most wonderful experience of my life. Like people were all in collaborative. Then day two was immediately like, get the fucking noob off the wheel. Put him in the put him in the cage in the basement. And like it was just a horrible experience. I was just like, this is not at all what I want. <clears throat> Anyways. In short, been playing a lot lately. Haven't touched the Jack Sparrow Disney shit. I don't know if I will. Maybe eventually when uh, when we feel like the, the 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 treasure hunting has run dry. But it's been quite entertaining so far. So and I love it. I've, I'm genuinely like I've like I dream about it. Like I, I really uh, love the loop of that game. I, I recently started playing it with the the gaming friend group that um i'm in which includes lucy um but we both have kind of like a timer on it because the gentle sway of ships makes us motion sick both me and her (laughs) um so like we have to we've got like the clock is ticking whenever we play and you can usually tell like it's it's happening because like either me or her will suddenly just go very quiet on the microphone because it's like (laughs) first time first time we played it we i played on pc and it was like me her and dave um and i was like my head was spinning after that um console's a little better though because you're like i'm like way further away and i can like if you play with me, you'll find me often looking directly at the floor. And that's not because I'm shit at it. It's because like it, it minimizes the sway. So I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to recover for a second. But that yeah, sounds like an animated series. Like Tamora and Lucy wanting uh, riches, but being like, okay, we will just time each other. We'll get on the ship. And as long as we like reach land in a certain time, we can be successful pirates. <laughs> I, I think there's like a, I think the thing I love about it is that there's a really, um, like it's not a it's it's not a saying it's a common game is the wrong thing to say but there's there's a there's a play your own pace loop to it that makes it really enjoyable and satisfying with a group of people because you're not constantly forced to always have to be doing anything Mm. um and i think also like uh it has enough randomness to it that when you think you've all got your bearings and you're all communicating as a team and like you all have your tasks that you're doing and then suddenly like hold on, what is that noise? What's that music? Holy shit, there's a shark behind us. We need to take care of this. And then you're thrown off your boat and then there's complete chaos ensues. Mm. But there's something about the, when you're done with that chaos, then getting to like an outpost and turning your stuff in and then like eating uh, worms from the beach and throwing up in each other's faces and just having an incredible <laughs> laugh. Um, or playing music for the animals that we bought uh, is like, you know, it's, it's those moments that have... Um, made that like a like yeah a good change of pace um in the midst of other things nice or right, let's get to the actual the big game that you played so uh, unfortunately I'm, I'm not actually playing this anymore but it's the game it's the last game that i played and it's the it's the the game that i have not stopped thinking about and probably will not stop thinking about until it comes out and i actually get to play it in full and that is psychonauts 2 um yeah, I wrote a preview on it. You can read it at GameSpot.com. It's probably the link to this preview online, I think. <laughs> Very good. Uh, but yes, I think uh, if, if anybody... This is a complicated one for me to unpack because there's it's like important that I give the context that I'm a very big fan of Double Fine 
Tim Schafer, Grim Fandango is my favorite game of all time. And I'm a huge fan of the first Psychonauts as well. So like have that in mind with everything I say, but um, I, that still doesn't equate like how overwhelmed and impressed I was by this game. Um, like I went into it, I always had this thing where it's like, I love double fine games, but I always have to kind of like sit, like put my hands up and be like, hold, but like, but you just have to get past this part or, but like, you know, brutal legend has this thing that's like thrown into the game halfway through and you just kind of have to like, the core combat of brutal legend is kind of, yeah. I also don't think brutal legends age that well. Like even in its writing, I don't think it's, it's done that well in in, as well as like games like Psychonauts. Agreed. Yeah, um, I agree. Music's still good, though. I think Psych- I think Psychonauts, 16 years later, is genuinely a fantastic game, writing and all, and design and creative uh, uh, like mm-hmm. approach and integrity. Mm-hmm. Brutal Legend, on the other hand, I booted that up right after finishing Psychonauts, and like I could barely get an hour and a half in without being like, I think I'm good. Like I don't, I don't think this <laughs> one's doing it for me. Anyways, to talk about Psychonauts too. Um, which you could read a lot of what I said in the preview. Um, I don't say this lightly because I hate everything, but it is a game of the year contender from what I've played so far. And I don't think I would have ever, ever said that for a previous Double Fine game, um, with the exception of Grim Fandango, which obviously was a LucasArts game, but still has the alum from that game. But um, I was blown away by it on all fronts. Like It feels like the most honed in, ambitious, and mature approach that Double Fine has ever had to a game while not losing touch on what defines a Double Fine game, and that is its humor, its characterization. Um, it's taking those things and the depth of its characters uh, and, and and stretching it out into to such literal senses that it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to even start to unpack the layers of how well designed it is when you consider every single aspect of a world is defined by a character itself because you go into the minds of these characters. And of course, this is a noon comparison to the first game, but like I said, it feels much more intentional and deliberate and thoughtful, especially when considering the fact that like these people you're entering the minds of um, are broken in some way. And it's handled in like an empathetic way in which like even the bad guys themselves are human. And um, it's fantastic. Like I can't even begin to explain like how much I love this game. <laughs> So far, One all of, this can change when it comes out. All this can change when it comes out. All my game of the year <laughs> yeah. jibber jabber can completely deflate once that game uh, is out. But it's the one game I've played this year where I was like actually like having like I was struggling. It's still like, coming this year, right? Like yeah, this yeah. Isn't in one August, of those games that's been okay. August twenty fifth. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like uh, like you mentioned in the preview, it, I think the the main crux of your preview is that um, thematically and narratively it is very double fine but also is a genuine and meaningful exploration of mental health and issues attached to it which is incredibly exciting um and not to diminish that in any other in any way and kind of be reductive about what that experience gives you but going to the actual mechanical side of it the one thing about the original psychonauts that is perhaps still a bit tricky and uphill struggle is the actual platforming itself it can be not oh, as yeah. responsive as you perhaps want. How is how is the platforming? How's the gameplay actually feel? I I remember certain levels in the original Psychonauts being like very frustrating at times. Um, <laughs> what's it yeah, like in the Psychonauts too? Having replayed the first one recently, like um, th- it's not 
you know, the mechanically and control wise, like it's not good. Like it's, it's, it's like passable, you know, it's like, it's enough that like you can get through it, like you can get it done, but it all feels clunky. It feels delayed. It feels, um, floaty that like the platforming is very, very floaty. Um, and I don't say this lightly considering that like double fine is a studio that has, that has changed its genre with every single game. It went from being uh, an adventure platformer to an action RTS game to doing point and click adventure games again. Like they don't repeat themselves. So they don't have the ability to refine uh, what it is they're good at in that sense, mechanically to answer your question. Like that's where I was like, kind of like almost taken off guard with this game because it does feel good and like the platforming has weightiness to it and it's not excessive like it's done in such a way where like um this is something i I like so like when you consider the design of the first game um if you know the history of that game um what happened was there's a group of creative art directors like art designers and then there was the level designers themselves and there started to become conflict between them to the point where they actually had to let go of the level design team and they favored the art directors to design the levels themselves. And you can see that when you play that game, like it's very fragmented and goofy and like, it's like feels almost like a bunch of people who don't know how to make levels made that game. And that's, you feel that. The difference with Psychonauts 2 is that it's, it feels finally symbiotic. Like you have the creative, like unhinged, uh, like creativity that Double Fine is known for, but in a way that feels like the most refined and approachable from a level designer's perspective it's ever felt. The pacing's perfect. Like they even like nerf the shit out of the levitation um, thing. So like there's a timer on it. So you're not just like floating in air, like while you're trying to get to another platform, like you need to be more thoughtful about your approach when like going between spaces. Um, and the combat's good, like genuinely good, like genuinely fun. And it's done in such a way where like the, there's a variety of enemies this time that force you to change how you play. You can't keep using the same like few abilities over and over again. Like when you hit, there's new like onslaughts of enemies that have weaknesses that force you to have to reconsider what abilities you're using to deal with a situation. So um, I don't say this lightly, but it's like, it's good. Like the combat is like, it's good. I will say it's, it's when held up to its writing and it's, you know, even its level design, like it's the weakest part of it, but that's by no means means I'm diminishing that it's, complete it's like it's above passable like it is it is a totally serviceable (laughs) way to play the game that doesn't hinge any moment when you're trying to get through it like the first one did yeah i'm really excited for this game i'm a huge fan of psychonauts one as well coincidentally i found my signed copy of psychonauts uh (sighs) the other day and i was like oh shit i forgot about this which is fascinating because it's weird i i Tim Schafer came to GameSpot in the UK, but I wasn't working at GameSpot at the time, but Danny O'Dwyer was. And Danny and I were good friends and we'd worked on a website together. And so like I was off to work on the day that he was going in to interview um, Tim Schafer. So I was like, Danny, I'm going to come to your place in the morning. I'll give you my copy of Psychonauts. You take that into work, get that signed, and then I'll, I'll take that off of you. So I did that first thing in the morning. It was like stupid early, like really, really early. Went to his house and like gave it to him. And he was like, yep, no worries. Got it. Um, it's amazing. Um, and you were talking earlier about like kind of um, the idea of, you know, newcomers coming to it or like aging over time and what impact uh, psychonauts could have in this day and age um and uh i think you can probably figure out whether you want to play it by 
playing the original game, which is on Game Pass. I know Chris Pereira mm-hmm. um, is currently playing it. And he says that it's held up remarkably well. But um, what's good games is Brittany Brombacher tweeted um, soon after the embargo lifted that she was new to Psychonauts and didn't know what to expect with the demo and said that I she didn't think a game has hooked her as quickly as it as she had been with Psychonauts and she attributed that to at least a buttload of charm, quirky characters and humor and said that she reckons it's going to be special. So whether you're a fan of the original or completely new, it seems like Psychonauts 2 is definitely something to keep an eye on and as fans of the original, we're obviously going to advocate for checking it out at the very least. Um, uh, unless it comes out and it's an absolute stinker. Yeah, in I which think... case we'll be sure to let you know. <laughs> my last my last kind of statement on that um is uh oh god it's already escaped me. I must be slipping in my old age. Um my kind of last statement on that is that like oh I remember it's the game I I genuinely it sounds silly but if it's one of the first times I've played a game in a long time where I feel every year a game needs every year has a game that like needs to happen. And like Psychonauts 2 feels like a game that like we need right now on all fronts. Like it's a game that's like that's approaching mental health in a way that's like humorous, but also very careful. And like it's it's also a platformer. Like and yes, we've gotten a few platforms this year. Like it takes two in Ratchet and Clank. But again, like this one feels it 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 feels like something we have not had before. I can't say the same about. Ratchet and Clank. I can't say the same entirely about It Takes Two, though I I loved It Takes Two a lot. But I I think like this game just feels like the thing we need in this moment for a lot of us. Um, and I really hope Game Pass is an opportunity for people to go in completely blind and just try it. Uh, just just All try. Right, it. It's gonna be on Game Pass. Yeah. And PS4 and, and 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 Xbox. I mean, and PC and all that jazz. But it is a day one Game Pass game. Mm. Coincidentally, I've found a game that I desperately needed um at this moment as well and that game is death's door um (laughs) i've just come off completing uh mass effect one and two um which i adore i think they're fantastic games and i've been having real trouble dedicating myself to stuff recently i can't or like i've been not feeling satisfied by the things i'm playing doing or reading or whatever it may be um and like i've that kind of feeling of spending time watching things and hoping that you liking you'd like them and then coming away and just not really feeling it as it was starting to become a bit of a frustration and an annoying thing that's why i kind of went to mass effect because i knew that i'm gonna have a good time with this i know this thing um but still i had that itch for something new and then death's door came out and it's just the right kind of uh nostalgia familiarity and most importantly craftsmanship that i needed because it's giving me something that i know and love in the same way that i went to mass effect in that it's a game that's very much um in the template both design and feel of uh legend of zelda a link to the past or link's awakening um and then it has a lot of the familiar combat rhythms and challenges of a Souls game or Hyperlight Drifter or Hollow Knight or something like that. And by and in, in creating that game, I recognize that it's not wholly unique and there's nothing completely like um, innovative around it. Uh, it's, there's nothing like mind-blowingly new about it. But what 
really elevates it is that idea of craftsmanship. So this is from uh, a, the studio that made Titan Souls, um, which I believe they're called Acid Nerve. Um, a couple yeah. of people. Um, this game they, they made uh, is two principal developers and each of them splits a multitude of duties. And then they've partnered with a few other people around the world to kind of uh, aid with development. Um, and the experience that you get is one that is both amazing because it's it's the kind of thing that you can feel the fingerprints of the two principal developers like you can feel the the kind of like that craftsmanship the the care and attention to detail that you would only get when you have a a, a very limited number of people making the stew um but at the same time you get the level of polish and the level of just really fascinating kind of um uh left field feelings and tones and ideas and and kind of like uh designs that comes from introducing like um uh, you know outside uh, influences like random ingredients that you think that that that's a weird thing to throw in this stew but it's put in <laughs> just a, an amazing amazing flavor so you know there's there's very early on so it is a sort of back it up a bit it's a it's an action game kind of isometric in the same way that top isometric slash top down in the way that um the those two zelda games i mentioned earlier are if you want a more contemporary example something like bastion or or one of the other games that um supergiant has done you play as a crow um with a sword and a bow <laughs> to begin with amazing i fucking love crows so i'm i was very much up for this game where you play a crow and you slash people and you you're eth essentially <laughs> you collect souls um and uh the kind of explanation for how the soul system works is kind of interesting narratively there's not any kind of complexity to it in a mechanical level but you kind of you exist in this um, this let's call it like a Grim Reaper's office environment world where it's just full of crows who go out and reap souls. And when you go out into the world, um, you age normally. So the longer you spend collecting your soul, the older you get. Whereas when you're back in your like home base, there's no aging and you need the souls to extend your own life. So that's why you're out there reaping souls because you want to stay young and you want to stay living. So you reap the souls, you bring them back. That's basically the narrative of the, of the game. And then very early on, you get into a situation where the soul you were reaping is taken from you and you need it to get it back because that's your assigned soul to reap. Um, and then from there, it just becomes a game about exploration and kind of traveling this unfamiliar land and engaging in very considered, satisfying combat to kind of fight your way through areas and bosses and... And eventually, I imagine, get that soul back. You encounter really fascinating and memorable characters along the way. There's my latest one that I like. The first boss you fight is in the in the same vein as the uh, the demon house from Final Fantasy VII. It's just a big house for no reason whatsoever, <laughs> which doesn't make sense. And the reason it doesn't make sense is because that wasn't an idea to come up with, come up from the two principal developers at Acid Nerve. That was one of the collaborators saying, what if we put a fucking house in it? That was demonic. And they were like, all right. And that's that kind of extra ingredient that comes from outside of their own minds that is like really left field and like takes you by surprise, but works so, so well. 
Um, and then there's another character I met, which is a, a dude named Pothead. And he's literally yeah. a person with a pot for a head. And, <laughs> and like he says, like, don't judge me by the, you know, by my, my pothead, judge me by the soup inside of it. And then every now and then, like, it's very funny. Every now and then he'll like be talking to you about something that's going on. We need to forge your head. And then he'll pause and look at you for a second and be like, soup and offer you some soup and you're like no nah, i love how he just tilts his head over with like <laughs> yeah, a spoon yeah. out trying to like yeah, get like, it soup? into the ladle yeah. so it's 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 very very charming and it reminds me of like uh, we've talked about legend of zelda and we've talked about um uh hyperlight drifter but there was a game back in the day um that came out for the playstation 3 called 3d game heroes which was yeah. developed by silicon studio and published by the one, the only, ladies and gentlemen, is from software. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, in Japan, anyway. In, in Europe, it was uh, in North Atlas. America, Atlas. And in Europe, I think it was South Peak Games, which I don't know what they're up to by now. But um, it's got this kind of whimsy to it that is really, really engaging. And it really makes you want to stay in that world and keep forging ahead um very basic in terms of mechanics you can probably guess everything i, I don't have to go into depth about how it plays you collect new items new items open up new pathways um combat is based on uh intelligent use of your items and abilities um there is a level of uh depth to it in that you have to like time your attacks so you don't want to spam attacks because there is like a cooldown like there's a pause um and then the later you get on into game you develop like delay attacks where it's like attack attack wait for a second attack and you get something like that and then there's like a dodge button where if you hit the heavy attack after that you do like an overhead thrust you've got a long range bow and arrow and then over the course of the game you unlock new items and weapons um and beyond that it's simply a case of going from around the world, exploring, finding new items, finding new uh, currency, um, using that to upgrade your core abilities, and then making your way through the game. So very basic, very simple. But like I said, it's the level of polish, the level of um, kind of the, the, the execution is what's really impressive about this game, especially from a team that, as far as I know, Titan Souls was the, the kind of game that like uh, put them on the map in pencil to a degree like this is the game that someone's cut they've come with a big old permanent marker and they've put a big x over on the map and they're like we are here we've made a fucking game and it's baller as shit um really really good like moody game music is phenomenal incredibly charming like watching this little crow go climb ladders with its like feet where it's like fully lateral climbing or hopping from each rung of the ladder and like uh hopping about and like every now and then it does the the bird thing where it, like its head twitches and you it's just like talking to a character and the characters just yammering on about what they need and it's just this little bird that's just like twitching at them um and like moody at times fun at funny at times really interesting puzzles there's cool things that you very like naturally i mean like if you, i didn't learn read or listen to anything about it so i had this moment where um a wizard character appeared and started firing these fireballs at me and um while i was fighting another enemy the orb happened to almost hit me but because i was swinging at another enemy 
I just happened to realize in that moment that if you attack the the orb, it sends it back at them. And then you start realizing, oh, most projectiles in this game can be hit back. They can volley it back. Um, so there's like levels of emergent gameplay that you that you kind of uh, come across that improve the experience so much. Um, beyond that, like I said, just a really well-made, in terms of its foundation, super rock solid, really satisfying, really engaging. And it's got that kind of rewarding, satisfying feel that makes you not want to stop playing it, um, which is really frustrating for me because currently the UK is going through a, a heat wave and my, my kind of gaming setup is in a loft and it's hotter than hell in here. So like I can only play it in like half an hour chunks before I feel like I'm catching fire uh, and I have to like leave and it's, I'm just wait. I'm praying for the weather to to go back to cool, so I can just sit down and play for like four or five hours in a go. It's not a particularly long game. I think you can beat it in about ten. Whereas, um, and then once you beat it, you can go back and unlock new, um, find more items which have which has lore in it. The other thing to keep in mind is like NPCs, and in a Souls-like fashion, there's some uh they obscure how those npcs can be interacted with on a level beyond just talking to them sometimes you can bring if you if you're holding an item that you find um in the world you might not be aware that that item has an impact on an npc and when you talk to them next so you encounter them um they might have some sort of reaction to it good bad neutral who knows so there's like reasons to explore and then almost re-explore once you've acquired new abilities and items and that kind of stuff so it's rewarding to keep going back and forth um around these locations but yeah death door like very very early on already a kind of like in it's it's going to be in my list for game of the year contenders yeah. um it's very 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 good um just another game coming from devolver digital that's absolutely devolver digital has quickly become one of the best publishers out there they've got like an eye it. for gaming <laughs> they've been absolutely smashing it recently and it's incredible, but um, I highly, highly recommend it. It's not on Game Pass, sadly. Um, as far as I know, it's only on PC and PlayStation 4 right now. I immediately, once started playing it, I was like, if this is on Switch, I'm buying it on Switch as well. It's not on Switch as far as I can tell, but I would highly Death recommend Store? it. No, it's an Xbox console exclusive. Yeah, it's an Xbox console exclusive uh, for now. Um, I don't know <laughs> anything, but I, I expect that thing will come to many it feels a lot like um a super giant game where it you know how um they have like playstation exclusive for a little bit but then it goes everywhere it feels like <laughs> that thing is going to be on ipad before we before we know it um but i would highly recommend it i think for the asking price it's a no-brainer and most people i think if you if you like legend of zelda the classic games um which we don't have many of these days you will i guarantee you love it all right, with that said, let's move on to the big news of the day. So the big news of this uh, week is EA Play. Um, and we're going to kick it over to our official EA correspondent, Jordan Ramey. Um, he has oh, an E and an A in his name. Uh, so that is why he <laughs> qualifies as the EA correspondent. EA, the two poppin'? most common vowels in the English language. What are you talking about? I, I, I've only got one of them. So I only got one of them too. I'm also the well. I have both, and mine actually goes E and then A. So technically, oh, nobody was asking you, Sean. Nobody was talking to you. This is uh, you. We've already given the title of EA correspondent to Jordan. But guys, you're you're, you're master of the podcast. 
and <laughs> Jordan hit us. Okay, yeah, so uh, by the time this podcast airs, people will have probably already seen, but EA Play Live happened. Uh, Austin Creed came out and uh, introduced a bunch of cool projects that uh, EA is working on. Uh, first of which, we got a world premiere trailer for Grid Legends, the next game in the Grid racing series. Uh, their big thing for this, uh, it has a story mode, which is uh, first, I want to say, for the franchise uh I, i'm do we have any racing fans here like i'm not like huge into racing games but i do know the reason i got into fours in the first place was the story driven fast and furious expansion that they gave for forza horizon 2 and i'm like story mode and grid legends sure why not <laughs> i've never played a grid game i'm sure they're good i don't feel qualified to talk about them yeah I'm sure it's, uh, people like them. <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, I think the cool thing that they were mostly uh, talking about um, was the fact that, what is her name? Uh, it doesn't matter. It'll probably come to me at some point. Oh, Becky Crossdale. That's her name. Senior game designer came out and was like, oh, yeah, the tech that we use for the story mode for this game uh, is similar to what... Uh, Disney used for the Mandalorian where it's like they're oh, wow. superimposing like real actors into like created spaces so there's like no green screen or mm -hmm. like motion cap it's just like the story mode is just like featuring people so it's that's the cool thing that they're doing I mean, for in it in theory I like live action people in a racing game you know, Need for Speed. Uh, Razor hot, Callahan. Uh, yeah, Razor Callahan, uh, Most Wanted. I, that's the peak. That's the high. And I mean, not even even when Need for Speed tries to chase that high, they they fall on their face. Um, probably because they like, I, I they're in on the joke now, so it doesn't work the same yeah. way. But like, it, it, <laughs> I there's still a part of me that's like, I'm glad someone's trying to do something with live action in video games still, keeping that FMV dream alive, I guess. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but following uh, those legends with some other legends, After Grid Legends, uh, they did Apex Legends, the cinematic trailer for season 10. Beautiful love always seeing my sons and daughters kicking ass uh, <laughs> in every three months when they release a new one of those trailers, which I will surely be watching many, many, many times over and over and over again. Uh, and then... Uh, Game director Chad Grenier came out to tease that they're working on more maps for the arenas mode and something Hell else yeah. coming for arenas that Respawn is not ready to share yet. That is not new maps and is not ranked. It's something else entirely. So who knows? And then they uh, he came on stage and was like, here's Seer and here's Seer's abilities. If you uh, aim down sights, he can see the heartbeat of legends through walls like pulse and uh Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, his tactical ability allows him to like use nanite drones to track people, and his ultimate ability creates a giant dome, and everyone who uh, crouch walks through it is safe, but if you sprint through it, he'll be able to see you. So he's like a stealth hunter character. I'm like, that's dope. That's awesome. Still the most attractive <laughs> legend you've ever created, so I will main him regardless of what his abilities are. <laughs> Uh, following Apex, uh, we got a new trailer for Lost in Random, plus an actual release date. It's coming September 10th, 
not much more than that. Uh, That's my most anticipated game, honestly. It's coming. I cannot. It's cool. It, it looks great. I'm, I'm very excited yeah. for it. I'm very glad it's coming out. A few weeks after Psychonauts 2. Like, that's that's very relieving yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say that game looks fantastic, but that name is. It's is, not. It leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. It very much feels like bargain bin video game with that naming, um, which is a shame. Hopefully, it's good. It looks really cool. I like the whole stop motion aesthetic thing that they're going for. I think Sonic yeah, is pretty fascinating. I like them a lot. As like as like their yeah. mentality and their creative design and, and and what they do. I don't think they're all their games are at, are always hit that well. But I've I've played a, like the moment like the ones that do like really seem to click in their in their direction and narrative. And I and I appreciate them for that. For sure. Uh, after that, we got a new trailer for Knockout City, uh, teasing that season two is starting July twenty seventh. So that's next week that's really soon uh it's a movie themed season so we're getting a new stage that uh looks like it transforms to reflect uh different movie genres like a haunted castle or like a tomb that's very indiana jonesy uh things like that and it has a new ball called the boba cola ball uh, that's Ooh. kind of like the current uh, bomb ball where it like does this giant area of effect explosion. The only difference is, is that it explodes immediately instead of having a timer before it goes off. Uh, hmm. I'm excited for it. I like yeah. Knockout City. It's one of my favorite games this year, so I'm always down to play a little bit more. I'm intrigued to see how this game continues to evolve over time because i know the team's kind of small so i know that they probably aren't going to do too many big content drops as quickly as something like fortnite or apex does that game is massive even though it's done pretty well that game is still so underrated like so good so much fun it's so good uh and then after knockout city this was like the big thing this is the defining like thing for the ea presentation the battlefield 2042 this was like the longest segment of the presentation and it was mostly to talk about the fact that like while the main dice studio is like working on 2042 uh the support studio ripple effect which was dice la which is being led by vince uh sampella like they've been working on battlefield 2042 portal which is basically battlefield's version of halo's forge mode um, where you can go onto a map and add whatever vehicles you want, create different rules where it's like people run at this speed or they jump at this height. This is how specific guns work. Uh, you can go into the language settings to like torque things a little bit. It takes, it's basically just community driven creations uh, mm. that fans can just jump in and it pulls assets from obviously 2042. Uh, Battlefield 3, Bad Company 2, and Battlefield 1942. Uh, and they showed uh, examples of some of the maps that will like be in Battlefield uh, 2042 portal at launch. And it was things like, oh, here's one where it's like 30 people on one side running against 30 people on the other side. And one team is just people wielding knives. And the other team are just wielding uh, defibrillators. And they're just like all sprinting at each other screaming like spartans uh and then just like punching each other with their melee weapons the one that i really liked was this one where it's 
one side is eight four-person squads that are from Battlefield 1942. So it's like these old tech and whatnot. And the other team is just one squad of four. So it's four people against 32 people. But the four squad is using tech from Battlefield 2042. So it's oh. like superior numbers on one side versus vastly superior technology on the other side. I'm like, that sounds dope. Like I can I can imagine quite a few yeah. like fun games that or is, something like that. This is gonna be huge. If it works flawlessly <laughs> or it works well, that's gonna be and it's also one way to do the Battlefield Bad Company remake without actually doing it. Just give people the assets and be like, do it your fucking self. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I respect that energy a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm so curious like what the limits of that thing are. Um yeah. like how like cuz cuz it seems like you can get pretty nuts with it. Like like you know the they were showing like the the game logic you can use to like make stuff and I it, it seems like it can get pretty damn complex. Um mm-hmm. and I it would be cool if like that's what they updated like they added asset packs of like yeah, maybe like different, different battlefields. Also, I, it, it, like, are they gonna keep the? Um, I would love if they actually kept like the art style. So it's like I want like the chunky looking like two thousand one era battlefield characters to be fighting the like really good looking <laughs> um, like high high polygon it's like really detailed people versus people who are a little bit fuzzy yeah yeah exactly i mean like i i i fully imagine this is the thing that they treat as a platform more than anything where they're like we'll just keep Mm -hmm. dumping assets into this over the next year or two to keep you know it alive my my main question is going to be limitations in another way like how is it going to function on pc versus how is it going to function on consoles um and what is the kind of distribution method and the kind of support systems that need to be in place to make that interesting because i mean we managed to get by with the halo forge stuff relatively easy but in the internet and and you know sharing and community driven creation was a whole different ball game back then so hopefully they've got some real good like tagging and and like uh spotlighting systems in place to mm-hmm. kind of highlight that stuff for people like me who is never going to create but i'll definitely jump into it and be like give me something cool to play <laughs> just do the random playlist it's like let's see what other people have yeah but like chances are you'll make. end up <laughs> chances are you'll end up in some sort of nightmarish like xp farming map where people are just like <laughs> oh, dropping nuclear bombs in <laughs> one room and it's the only room that you spawn into um, but anyway, let's go to the final reveal, which is the thing yeah. I think a few of us are most excited about. Yeah. Uh, so the final big thing, big surprise, us and Creed turns. There's this giant dark hallway. Go down the hallway. Lights start to flicker. And it's like, oh, it's it's the Ishimura. The dead space rumors are true. And so it's uh, EA Motive. So the people who made Squadrons um, are doing a remake, not a remaster. They were very specific about that, of the original Dead Space. And the only like thing that we really see is the fact that like when they're showing clips from the new Dead Space, I like uh, was like putting into the chat. I'm like, Wow, some of these are like shot for shot uh what 
Dead Space 1 is. Yeah. I think this is a remake. And then a few minutes later, they confirmed him like, oh, I feel so validated. And also, I feel a little embarrassed that I'm able to recognize <laughs> scenes from Dead Space shot for shot. No but dude. yeah, so not any indication of whether or not this is like exactly Dead Space 1 again. If this is more, uh, if, it's, if it's like re2 re3 where it's like a similar experience but they've changed things to fit like a different thing they didn't go into details like that it was more just right. like yeah it's dead space it's a remake it's being made by ea motive be so, excited the thing is <laughs> base base level i think i i think i can speak for everyone when i say it is fucking great to see that dead space is coming back it totally does feel like they looked at capcom with resident evil remakes and been like we've got one of those why the hell aren't we doing that <laughs> and then they're doing it um however my question is like in the in the event that uh having said all that being excited about um a new dead space in the scenario the hypothetical scenario where it is just a remake is that something we need, given that the original Dead Space is still available and holds up remarkably well? I, really I well. I don't think so. That's my... I, cause, I'm sorry, Sean. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, seeing the trailer, like, it's like, ooh, but it, it... Like, Jordan was right. Like, it looks exactly like Dead Space. Like, like just it's a the prettier same, version. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, I'm, you know... Like, give me that high quality ray tracing lighting. Give me that, you know, give me all that good stuff. Give me, give me your 3D audio. Give me whatever. Like, I'm sure it'll look and sound better, but it's like, it's very much like, okay, they are not deviating from the art style of Dead Space. They are not deviating from the, the overall tone and aesthetic. And I'm like, well, the, the, what, what, that's what made RE2 remake so amazing was it was like, you're taking this PS1 game and you're transitioning it and you're, you know, making it third person and you're adding all these other elements and there's so much more you can do with that game now in the, you know, uh, 20 year difference between those two. Right. Um, so it's mm -hmm. like uh, it felt more like it made it made sense where mm -hmm. I look at Dead Space one and I'm like, yeah, I mean, Dead Space one is still a pretty darn good video game. Like it holds up, like you said, extremely well. Yeah, the visual leap doesn't feel as extreme um, yeah. as it does from RE1 to any of the remakes. Um, Kurt, what were you going to say about it? Oh, I just have... In, I'm inherently skept, uh, a skeptical person about anything without seeing or feeling or touching it. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, like, I, I really don't have good things to say about this to be completely honest like i think it's say them say those quite, bad things <laughs> say well, the bad I, things kurt <laughs> i mean it, i mean to be like you know to be like pragmatic about it um i i i just played that space like no joke at the end of last year it was the first game i booted up with when i got an xbox series s and just like played through it again i still it's it's a remarkable achievement um and everything it's done how it looks how it plays and it feels kind of just um i have a lot of feelings like i have a, like a lot of genuine like this just doesn't make sense to me personally i think even furthermore i think it's um even sillier i think it's ironic like you get dead space 3 which i think is a bad game um and you know like the 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 result of that was like shutting down the studio that made it and like after like forcing it to become this action game that had all these horrible elements shoved into it and then for EA, 10 years later, be like, ha ha, fuck you. We're remaking the first one. 
um, something that doesn't need to be remade. It just feels like Capcom did something really successful, but they did something innovative. Like they took a genre that like was, you know, more or less dormant and they used like the foundation of something um, that was like held back literally in time and then was able to give it a facelift and like resurface it in a way that was like genuinely new without diminishing what made the genre unique and seeing something like this, just, I'm, I just need to play it. I don't really care. I just like, I guess I just need to play it. I, but um, my inherent gut reaction is just kind of like, it's, it's worth, it's worth mentioning that the, the closure of visceral games while in some part did come as a result of, uh, Dead Space 3's poor performance that poor performance wasn't only just because it wasn't just purely as a, as an indicator of, of the game's quality I'm also one of the people that thinks that 3 is not very good as a game but it, the, the design of the game was one dictated by the trends of the industry at the time which is an inescapable business reality of creating games at a time when the eco- eco- economics and the business of of monetization forces you to behave in a certain way in designing games and also the trend or the uptake and the interest in survival horror games of that ilk was spiraling in a way that um didn't make that genre as viable for franchises outside of specific ones like resident evil like resident evil kickstarted four especially like led to a big kind of boom in those kinds of games but and a lot of people started making them dead space being one of them but there was also a fall-off point and three came at a time when it was on that fall-off point or they started making it and by the time it was out that Outside of Resident Evil, those games were struggling to exist anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Having said that, it, let's approach it from another hypothetical scenario. What if this was a kind of Mass Effect Legendary Edition, also an EA property, like remake that took all those games and packaged them in one thing, but also made kind of quality of life improvements and changed some of the things that might have dragged down the second and third game a bit? Was that something that you'd be interested in? I mean, you would have to really dramatically throw everything about three out out the window and start that shit over. Um, I'd be happy for people who who could come to it new and enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, personally, I just think like three is so like that that game's the core of that game is is based around co-op and and like it, it, which makes the single player not feel good. And then the co-op like. I have so much beef with that game. Um, I just, I'm like, I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to play that game in any form, remastered. Like, I don't think you could salvage it in that way. Um, I mean, I would, I would play a version of one that makes some nice quality of life improvements. You could argue it could, it they could, um, they could. I, I, I would, I feel like people would get upset if they were to trim some of it, but I do think. Yeah. The Something about half, it will the ending of that change because they were adamant that it's not a remaster. It's not just a graphical update. It's a remake. So something about the experience of playing Dead Space is I, I'm guessing changing for this game. They want to maybe like if they my guess would be they would change the ending because they want to maybe take it in a different direction like the story which would be which you kind of should if you are going to do that just because like the that universe is like a known quantity so like nothing about um 
like the markers and the necromorphs are like very scary or interesting anymore because you you're like i know exactly what these are and and like the you know they kind of revealed arguably too much at the end of three um as off the rails as that shit went in a way that was kind of fun but yeah like kind of maybe like ruined some of the atmosphere of the original maybe um i don't i don't know i don't know uh yeah. It's so bizarre because like Dead Space was almost like not like a response to Resident Evil, but almost a response to Resident Evil. And it was oh, like, yeah. oh, we're kind of going to modernize what made Resident Evil one and two and three like so good and kind of make it a bit more actiony technically. But it's still going to be like really scary and hard and very survival horror. Yeah. And you could almost kind of say that RE2 and RE3 remake are basically Resident Evil reimagining those games as like a modern Dead Space. And oh, I'm they've like, they've said as much. Yeah, like they've... it's like Dead Space already plays like RE2 and RE3 remake. So what what I, do you change I, unless you're going to do something like, oh, now Isaac's going to be able to like uh juke people like jill valentine or he's gonna have an item that allows him to easily escape a necromorph when they're on him like uh he can uh, stomp on enemies with both feet now you can choose wherever <laughs> you, you want to stomp them with like jumping into a puddle. right foot <laughs> yeah it's important to like you said earlier like um i am very 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 excited that dead space is back in some fashion because like we said resident evil 4 kicked off a massive trend like resident evil 4 became the template for survival horror for a whole bunch of games but dead space is the only one that even comes close to having the impact and quality of mm -hmm. resi 4. so the fact that the franchise is back is a massive deal my worry is this is just a straight remake um like even if it is like reimagining it i would love it if they were like we're gonna kick three out of the window um and we're gonna take the first two games put them in one package kind of like narratively weave it together and make some changes the thing that i don't want it to represent is if you want more dead space you need to buy this remake um and i and that's kind of what that it happens. feels like to me and i think that i mean i think that's yeah. where a lot of like my like kind of animosity and like uh, and frustration comes from like i maybe i was like too aggressive earlier but it's just um like i just it just doesn't like i said i i i'm afraid that's what it is like i'm afraid it's just like let's just yeah. we're gonna do a full-on remake we're gonna gauge the audience for it and then we'll do more from there rather than just looking at the success of resident evil's remakes and even village and just assessing that like we should just do another dead space game yeah, and That's the like, reason... they don't have to change like too much. If you do what basically what happened with uh, the Demon Souls remake, where it's not like ginormous changes as to what the game is, it's just a better experience, and you use something like the PlayStation Five Dual Sense to amplify that experience. I would love mm. that. I would love to see what you could do with the PlayStation Five's yeah. Dual Sense with yeah. the Dead Space. Fix the final the worry, boss. Replace the yeah, final boss. Yeah, it's, it's garbage. The, the worry with <laughs> the worry with it being one of those, you need to buy this to get the the new uh, get to get like a new vote, new entry greenlit is is what we started with. Um, is that it's 
whatever they do is likely to be not that far generation or leap wise from the original game so you're going to have a fair few people looking at it and going uh i've looked at this and the original kind of holds up well and it looks good and i can get that on game pass for free so why would i buy this i'm going to choose just to replace replay that and that's where mm-hmm. it's like shit this didn't get the best chance that it could have um yeah. having said that i think it comes across that we're all massive dead space fans so we hope that it is more than what we think it is um we were eager to be wowed by it and honestly like truth be told like if it comes out and it is just a very bare bones um kind of like a remake of that game we'll all play it we'll probably enjoy it yeah. we'll probably just leave it, it regardless disappoint yeah, yeah. We'll leave it it's being made by motive just, it'll have just space need, battles i just need to feel <laughs> like i just need to touch it yeah, yeah exactly anyways <laughs> let's move on to the listener emails If you would like to send us questions, you can email us at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com or you can join our very pleasant, very wholesome Discord. If you want entry into that Discord, you can DM me on Twitter or DM Lucy James on Twitter. I'm at Tamor H and she is Lucy James Games. We will conduct a background check on you and we're not kidding when we say that. We're going to guide, definitely go through your tweets and if you are being shitty on the internet, I will not be allowing you into our Discord because we like to keep it pure and nice. Nice. First question comes from our very own Maria. Um, Kurt, can you read that story out, please? Uh, yeah. Oh, question. Okay, is this the one for the Vita gang? Mm-hmm. Which is not me. <laughs> Do you think we'll ever see another handheld from Sony or possibly even something from Microsoft with Valve entering the mix <laughs> and Nintendo already having the market share? Is it too much of a risk for anyone else to try competing? Also, I admire Barack tomorrow. I'm sorry. Why'd you make me do that, dude? What the fuck? Uh, Eid Mubarak, uh, Maria. Thank Eid you Barak. so much. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the attempt. Uh, no, I don't think I don't think Sony's coming back into the portable no, market. I don't and want them Microsoft to. Microsoft certainly is not. No, going but to because I, I would I would love it, uh, but I feel like their eggs are in the VR basket right now. Um, and that is where the hardware well for Sony anyway they're working on a new PlayStation VR um, and Microsoft has for whatever reason HoloLens just simmering away in the background doing stuff Um, but uh, as it comes as it pertains to like handhelds I think the most interesting part of the Steam deck is the the potential for it to become a Game Pass device Um, which is something that I've seen circulated on Twitter a lot. Like, I would be very, very, very um, uh, surprised if someone at Microsoft isn't already being like, let's start optimizing our games and create a Game Pass app for that thing because it's powerful enough to run our PC games. So let's make it go. Um, so I feel like that's there's enough reasons and enough other ventures for neither of them to get back into it, which is a shame because Vita, Vita means life. Yeah, that that's pretty much exactly what I was going to say. Is <laughs> I I think Microsoft's just going to continue to try and like reach out to as many platforms as they can. Steam Deck seems like an obvious thing they can, you know, Valve's all all for it. They could kind of j- hop onto that train. Um, yeah, I can't go through the heartbreak again with with another Sony uh, <laughs> device because the Vita the Vita is so good. Like as as a device, it is like extremely well made. It's beautiful looking. It had a 
like an OLED screen, like ahead of its time in that way. Uh, a lot of great games. And Sony just like dumped it out and just was like, I don't know, like, here you go, like, whatever. <laughs> like, I guess they'll get a game occasionally, like, oh. Uh, and, and like, they just didn't care about it. And it was like, like, it, 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 that's very much in Sony's MO, I feel like, with a lot of their devices. Like, the, I'm honestly kind of shocked how, how, that they're still continuing to support um, VR. Like, I, I'm glad they are. Like, and I think it's been successful enough that they they should. But, like, I'm I'm a little shocked that that happened because I, the, Sony kind of has a bad track record of just, like, not really supporting new things like that in the long term. Um, so I just, yeah, I don't see the incentive on their end to, to do that. Like, they they have their, their space now uh, with the PS5 and with kind of vr and i think they're just going to stick to that i'd like to retract my earlier statement about microsoft not wanting to go in on handheld because i just remembered the fact that like with x cloud and with things like the backbone controller like for your phone like microsoft's version of going handheld is basically being like everyone already has a cell phone we're just going to cloud stream our games to people's cell phones so like yeah that's maybe one day sony decides like Yo, we could probably do the same thing. I don't think that they will, because that just doesn't seem like a very Sony PlayStation thing to do. But yeah, like Microsoft's like, we don't actually have to make the tech. Everyone already has the tech. Let's just sell them the games. <laughs> oh God, I hope I hope Microsoft does put their game part because I bought one of them Steam decks and I am looking for various reasons to justify <laughs> my madness. Um, <laughs> Jordan, can you read the next question, please? Yes. Uh, GameSpot After Dark crew, which game slash series should be next to get the Castlevania Dragon's Blood treatment? And by that, I assume they mean, like, which game should get, like, a Netflix-style animated mm-hmm. series? Mm-hmm. Is it? Okay, yeah. Dragon's Blood? Oh, is that the Far Cry one? No, uh, that's, that's the... the uh, Dragon's... No, Dota? Dota? Dota, Dota one. Dota, yes, yeah, yeah. thank you. Oh, wait, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm like, what is Dragon's that series that well. Miranda Sanchez really likes because she talks about it all the time? Yeah. Yeah. I heard the Dota <laughs> one's pretty good. I heard the Dragon's yeah, Dogma one was not. Dragon's, really dog one. Dragon's dog shit more like. That's what that one is. Um, but Whoa. Castlevania Season 4. The game is fantastic. The animated series is not good. Castlevania Season 4 is excellent, though. Um, yes, it is. Yeah. It's quite good. Kurt, what do you reckon? Uh, I'm just thinking about, I'm deep in thought thinking about this. Um, and there's two that came to mind. The first one um, is Paradise Killer. Um, Ooh. I think. Ooh. Deep cut. I, I think like that game, I absolutely adore that game, but I think it's one of those things where um, it already has such an established aesthetic, mood, vibe, feel, soundtrack, character design. Um, and even better is that that game takes place um, at the end of a world at the end of it. Once you get into it, it's like, it's very heavy in its concepts, but it's about a a detective who's been locked away for, I think something like a million years. And then is like, comes back out to solve this murder before they have to like go to the next Island before this Island ends. So there's this whole, there's all this, this story that you haven't seen yet between all these characters, all these characters have history, but you never actually see only hear it murmurs between conversation. That's my answer is paradise killer. Nice. Jordan. Titanfall two or apex. Like I, I already have on record, like during one of my interviews that the folks at respawn 
want to make a Titanfall universe TV show, but they just do not have the time and resources to do that. But they would love <laughs> to do that if they did have those things to work with. I'm like, they probably already have like an idea for a story. And if they could just find the right studio to put it together and it would be so cool. I love Apex and Titanfall story so much. And I think that if you could just take the magic that is the two minute to sometimes 10 minute trailers that we get every three to four months and you just like expand those into 22 minute episodes, it would be God. I would just binge it all. Good. I would binge it all in a single That's sitting. Mm-hmm. Jean Luc, uh, I mean, my my John Luke answer would be like uh, like a Destiny something in the Destiny universe Ooh, would be really cool. Be um, and they they apparently are like having some sort of like initiative where they're trying to expand Destiny outside of the games. Uh, what exactly that means, they haven't really said yet. But it sounds like they're exploring all sorts of options. So they could potentially. I could I could see that happening. I think that would be cool. I think that'd be a good way to like maybe get because because that that world has like so many stories that um you know from from different eras and eons that you could easily adapt and kind of have stand on their own and it would be a good way to kind of introduce people to that universe or those characters and and I think it absolutely just like you don't need to play the game you don't need to know anything you could just here's just a good story with these characters mm. in this universe um. The other one I would say would be, uh, honestly, like Psychonauts, because I've been replaying the original Psychonauts, and that game just has such a like 2003 era, like Cartoon Network vibe to it, or like Nickelodeon. Part of it's the fact that Raz is voiced by Richard Horvitz, and uh, like mm-hmm. that man is just like ingrained in my brain as like, like, ah, oh, yes, it's, it's Zim, but he's not Zim, but he's Zim, and like, ah, um, but like everything <laughs> about that game's art style of just like they just let people like these like half the kids just look so ugly and weird and like beautiful, and and that yeah. to me, it's like it captures that energy of of that era of like cartoons that I I miss so much and i i don't know if i would necessarily even want like i i think there is enough in the psychonauts universe that you could expand that to a cartoon but even even if it wasn't psychonauts just like double just double fine like a double yeah. fine cartoon like what what could double fine come up with um i know they had apparently a costume quest show i didn't yeah. watch it i don't they know if it was any the, good the, the action comics which are which are great i mean that's mostly a scott c joint but it right, has, right it has all the flourishes that a double fine yeah mm-hmm. but i i think maybe like more i would love to see double fine expand beyond yeah. even even yeah. even games more yeah. tv shows about video games and don't was... actually do the stuff even though it's probably going to be good like you don't have to do the stuff like what's happened with the last of us tv show where it's basically just going to be the video game and tv no. show form yeah, I don't want games that. like mass effect dragon age assassin's creed have like so many other characters beyond the main mm. characters that you could use as the basis for entire tv shows like just a 
give your properties like to yeah. studios we if you're willing that. to trust them with it and they can they don't have to actually touch the baby you've created they can do something completely different but but I jordan was, they was... already made a mass effect anime it stars james vega everyone's oh favorite i i hate him so much I'm, that's feel, one of the reasons i'm going so slowly in three i'm like <laughs> talk to vega again i feel bad for uh, freddie prince jr because i do think he's a great actor and he does a good job yeah. with that role given the material but like I, you're gonna you hate cannot, me for you this, can't, but you can't on play of Mass Effect 3, I actually liked James more yeah, this time around than I did like eight years ago when I my, played my Mass entire playthrough. I've made every every decision I've made has been Paragon. When we start when I started Mass Effect 3 and I went to talk to Vega for the first time, and he's like, Hey, let's talk, but you know, let's do a sparring fight. The moment the renegade option came up, I punched him right in the fucking face. Like immediately. Like knocked his ass out. And I was like, shut the fuck up, Vega. No one cares about you. Um I was gonna say in terms of adaptations, a in the style of a Saturday morning cartoon, Beautiful Joe. But then I remembered there was a Beautiful Ooh. Joe anime. Um so there instead I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to Ace Attorney slash Phoenix Wright. They also that have an anime of that. There's also an anime of Ace there, Attorney. There is, but it's not very film. good. It's not good. There's many films as well, but they're not good to the point where I just don't count them. Um, okay, so, so a good that's one. My, that's my, a, a good Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney could be amazing because just that world is massive, full of amazing characters. I would love if somebody made this is completely, but like. I want like a a um like a making a murderer like like a really serious like <laughs> Netflix style docudrama, but it's like about the cases in Ace Attorney. So it's yeah. like, oh, it was like it's she, the gritty she, dark side beyond the really happy yeah, exactly. go getty courtroom cases. Yeah, like. so it's just like completely re like, but they're taking it very seriously. And then you get to three where it's like there's people being possessed and but. <laughs> it's very no one said Yakuza. I'm kind of shocked that none of you said Yakuza. I, I don't think I don't think a Yakuza should be animated. I I, I want a a full on like I, I don't think Yakuza should be adapted. I mean, it is adapted. I think in some respects, but um, I think there is like some live action stuff here and there. There is a live action I, movie. Yeah, um, so I've never, I should, that, I should gosh, watch that. Day. So I need to see that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've, it's, it's on yeah. its entirety on YouTube. Yeah. I know it's not good, but some people are also like, but it's pretty good. And I'm like, I need to see it. You, you have to watch it as a Takashi Miike film and not as a Yakuza. Yeah, movie. you're good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I have to run to a meeting, so we're going to speed through the <laughs> final uh, goodbyes and just give our <laughs> socials. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Tamor H. Kurt, where can people find you? They can find me at Twitter at Kurt underscore Indovina. Jordan? I am also on Twitter at JM Ramey. Jean-Luc. You can find me on Twitter at Jean-Luc Seipke. Thank you, everyone. If you're listening to this, please do us a favor and go to iTunes or your podcast feed of choice and, you know, give us a rate and a review. We haven't asked for that in a little while and we'd love to get more people in and your um, ratings and reviewings are super, super helpful. It juices the algorithm to push us up for a bit and we haven't been, you know, making a big effort to to kind of plug that, but it is very, very, very beneficial. So if you like this podcast and I know a fair few of you do, so please go out there and uh, rate and review us and maybe we can can grow and uh you know do some cool stuff going forward and we will see you next week goodbye everyone <laughs>